Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Steelers OTAs have begun, and we've been on the case here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. On the North Shore Drive podcast, we're going to talk about why there's so much excitement about the leadership improvements of Kenny Pickett. We'll talk about that and Marcus Golden, who was brought in for a visit with the Pittsburgh Steelers, what that means for the backup edge rusher position, and where there might be progress in Alex Highsmith's extension as, as his rookie contract ends. All that and more here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We also talk some Buckos baseball. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined today by Ray Fittipaldo, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers. We've been at, at Steelers OTAs. We're going to give you some inside looks just from our early experiences. Remember, you can find this show, the North Shore Drive Podcast, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on any podcasting app, and especially on YouTube. Just search for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's content. And when you do, you can subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily content as there's shows that come out all the time. And remember to go to post-gazette.com to subscribe to all of our great content, not just in sports, but covering everything that happens in the city of Pittsburgh. Ray, there was a lot of excitement, it seemed like, across the board when it came to Kenny Pickett and how he's developed this past year. Uh, you know, we talked to Kenny Pickett, but not just Kenny Pickett talking about him, Deontay Johnson, Pat Frymouth, even Calvin Austin, who didn't play with Kenny Pickett last year. Everyone's kind of excited for like, whoa, this guy's carrying the team in a different way. He seems like he's now he's got his feet under him and he's no longer the rookie quarterback. Yeah, and Kenny spoke to that. Uh, yesterday as well, just how further along he is at this point this year compared to where he was as a rookie last year. I, I think it's only natural. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, uh, he, he was eased into the starting role a month into last season, and then he progressively got better. But I don't think you can, get, <laughs> excuse me, discount um, how important leading the team in his first offseason as the starter is, right? You know, having command of the huddle having a better command of the offense, taking some ownership um, of that offense. And I I think the Steelers are going to be much better off for it. Um, You know, these 10 practices, um, I guess it's like 12 practices if you include minicamp in June, these 12 practices are important because there's a young core on offense that needs to get better. And, um, you know, I I think having Kenny there um, and being the leader that he is, I I think that is – going to be key here for the Steelers as they try to get off on the right foot in 2023. You wrote about this too in uh, after the first day of OTAs on Tuesday, talking about Kenny Pickett taking ownership of the Steelers offense in the first offseason as a starter. And one thing that Kenny Pickett told us uh, in the locker room was he was talking about how 
you know, like last year. And he said he even went back and watched his the first OTAs. Like, think about that. Like, most people talk about watching tape and watching games and things like that. He didn't just watch training camera. He went back and watched his original OTAs and how he did then. And he talked about how last year they were only able to do installs of, like, one or two plays a day. And he says now it's, like, five or six plays a day. And the expansion, the expansion that that's going to allow the offense – to do a lot more this year. And the idea, this is what we're talking about when we say the offense is going to be open to doing so many more different things and what the Steelers might allow Kenny Pitts to do this year that he wasn't allowed to do last year. I think that that's part of just a, just a, a first glimpse into what could be different for the Steelers offense in 2023. Yeah, Chris, probably the fir- our, our first glimpse at uh, seeing the coaching staff take the handcuffs off Kenny a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a good reason that he was asked to be a game manager as a rookie. It's it's hard to play quarterback in the NFL as a rookie. Um, teams are going to change it up on you. They're going to throw different things at you that you never saw in college. So by simplifying things and by having a simple winning formula in the second half of the season, Steelers were able to stay in playoff contention. Um, but I think this year, with Kenny having a better understanding of the offense, um, knowing the offense better, knowing his teammates better, which I think is really, you know, in, an important part of this discussion. I think they're going to start spoon-feeding him more and more and more. And I, I think by – really by the start of the season, um, he's not going to be treated like a like a five-, six-year veteran, but he's going to be treated much differently than he was um, as a rookie last year. And again, I think that just when we were talking about how different the offense is going to be and how, you know, how I think there's going to be a thing, more things opened up, maybe deeper downfield passing, more, you know, a wider variety of plays. This is the stuff that we're talking about that the Steelers weren't open to. But also, it's not just Kenny Pickett that I think was interesting to talk about is the entire quarterback room because Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph, you know, talking about it and both seemed not you know, kind of resigned to it, but more, you know, embracing the fact that, hey, we're still we're still here. And Kenny Pickett was even excited. He's like, I love these guys. He's like, he's like these guys were great teammates and it's great to have them both back. And it's kind of a, a, a sort of a happy family situation where it's like, yeah, I'm sure Mason Rudolph would have loved to get a, a, like a $10 million contract to be either a number two or a number one quarterback somewhere else, but it wasn't in the cards. But he came back to the organization that drafted him and that has been with him every year. Mitch Trubisky, you know, he signed his extension, so obviously he's happy to be be around it seems like there's also just a sort of a really good position that the quarterback room is in not just in case Kenny Pickett's hurt but also so that they can all help him grow I think in the, in a positive way yeah I think what both Mitch and Kenny um learned over this offseason was if you're not a starter in the NFL it, it's a big game of musical chairs and if mm-hmm. you don't have a seat um you're not going to be in the league I, I think Mason found that out you know, he thought he was going to get some bites um, even in the second wave of free agency. Those bites never came. Hey, listen, he's in the NFL. And I think what, what Mitch realized as well, he's a backup here. He likes the coaching staff. He likes his teammates. He has a terrific uh, relationship with Kenny Pickett. So why not take some more guaranteed money uh, with the knowledge that you're going to be here for three more years and uh, have some stability within both your personal life he and his wife had a young child, had a baby last year, and in your professional life. I, I think he's come to the understanding that, um, you know, he's going to be a backup quarterback likely for the rest of his career. And, I, you know, he, he said, this isn't us, he said it was an easy decision mm. on his part to take that new contract. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's great for the Steelers to have two veterans behind a, a player like Kenny on a rookie contract, and it's really the same model they had with, with Ben Roethlisberger in the early part of his career. Um, you know, he had Charlie Batch, um, uh, and it used to be Brian St. Pierre, then it eventually became uh, Byron Leftwich, but he had two veterans behind him for the first, you know, eight, ten years of his career. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a model the Steelers have followed. You know, I think it'll work well for Kenny Pickett as well. I hear you on that. I wanted to switch topics, though, because it wasn't just Kenny Pickett people were talking about. Alex Highsmith was there, and there was the questions about his extension. We'll talk about what what he what, what mode he was in and also the potential of signing a third edge rusher to be the first backup off the bench to back him and TJ Watt up. All that and more in the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, talking Steelers right now. Uh, Ray, Alex Highsmith was there, and he was – and there was a question. There was a little bit of a question in the air because the Steelers have had some holdouts of recently. Uh, T.J. Watt, who didn't you know fully practice with the team until he signed his big deal. You had uh, Mika Fitzpatrick do a similar thing. You had, uh, you had Deontay Johnson doing that last year. And now Alex Highsmith's in the position where – He's, you know, at the end of his rookie deal. This is the last year he's under contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he hasn't been signed to an extension yet. And there were questions as far as would he hold out? Would he kind of not show up to OTAs? Would there be something there? And he showed up. He showed up and was participating. Um, and, you know, when asked about it, he was kind of like, yeah, um, you know, I'm uh, he's like he, he felt enthusiastic when I when I spoke to him, he said he felt enthusiastic about, uh, you know, both sides and where they were in negotiation talks to get a deal done. And he just sounded confident that he would be a Pittsburgh Steeler for the foreseeable future after this year. Uh, where do you think this that, that he that he stands right now as far as the possibility of him being uh, a, a you know, being with T.J. Watt and the Steelers for at least maybe three or four more years? Yeah, I think that's the biggest question of the 2023 offseason. And, you know, Alex told us yesterday discussions have begun, but I get the idea just reading between the lines that uh, they're not all that far along. Um, You know, if you look at um, what Omar did last year, um, I think he was named GM in May, and I think he really surprised some people. He got that Minka Fitzpatrick deal done in June, whereas Kevin Colbert, you know, I I think he was more of a guy who – you know, let the deadline of September mm-hmm. sort of spur those negotiations on. We saw that with T.J. Watt. We saw that with Cam Hayward back in 2020. So is that going to be uh, Omar's uh, thing? Is he going to try to get these deals done early? Or is this a more difficult um, uh, contract to negotiate? Um, I think that's a fair question. If you look at Alex Highsmith's stats, 14 and a half sacks last year, Chris, 11 of those came when T.J. Watt was in the mm-hmm. lineup. Mm-hmm. Only three and a half came in those seven games that TJ missed, which is really when you wanted Alex Highsmith to sort of step up and maybe take on more of a, a productive role on your team. Um, so, you know, there's a reason why Alex is more productive when TJ's in there. TJ commands double teams, and I think that frees up Alex Highsmith for a lot of one-on-ones against tackles, which he wins a lot, you know, in those situations. Um, so I, I, I just think it's a delicate balance between, okay, you have the numbers here. Maybe those numbers say he's worth this much, but in reality, you got TJ Watt making thirty million, taking up thirteen percent of your salary cap. Yeah, you can't pay 
Alex Highsmith $16 million a year. It just doesn't work financially. So you're going to have to come to a number, you know, $12, $13 million, whatever the Steelers are going to feel comfortable with. I'm just throwing those numbers out there. I don't know what those numbers are going to be. But the Steelers have to feel comfortable knowing that he's not the top player at his position, but he's a darn good number two. And I think if they can get a deal done, um, you know, in that range, I think they'll do it this summer. But again, Chris, they got the franchise tag they could put on them next spring if they wanted to. I know they don't want it to get to that, but if they have to do that, if they have to buy time, they can control him beyond the 2023 season. That's what they did with Bud Dupree, and I think that that's an interesting comparison to how things how things could play out because I think they they tagged Bud Dupree twice before he was before he hit free agency, and Bud Dupree got paid huge money by the Tennessee Titans before he got released by them after a couple of years. Um, what do you think is the likelihood here? Is it more likely for Alex Highsmith to sign an extension, or do you think the Steelers kind of roll the dice, see how things play out? Do a, and do a, do a franchise tag or two with him and then just maybe try to find their next edge rusher in the draft over the next couple of years? Well, I don't think the Steelers are going to overpay um, mm-hmm. for, for Alex Highsmith. Um, you know, you, you were at the Combine in February with me where he said the same thing about Cam Sutton. You know, he's he's a guy we want to sign to a second contract. But then they didn't. when those offers came in and they were well yeah. beyond what the Steelers' uh, valuation was of Cam Sutton – they just kind of washed their hands of it and said, hey, that's that's free agency. So fortunately for the Steelers, um, Alex Highsmith is not going to hit free agency anytime soon. As I mentioned, that could happen next March, but probably not to probably put the tag on him if that's the case. You know, I, I here's my, my, my take on this. Alex has been pretty vocal about wanting to be here. The Steelers really like him and want him to be there. So when you have the common ground that they have, I do think a contract is more likely, but I can't sit here and predict right now, hey, could it be June, July, August? Could it be the Saturday night before the season opener? I don't know. But when there's common ground and two sides want to get things done, I think it's more likely that things can get done when that happens. I'm, I'm, right, I'm running the same page as you. I, I think that – I think that there's going to be patience. There's going to be there's going to be waiting for things to come around. And like you're right, they're not going to overpay because they can't afford to with TJ Watt's salary right now. And it's it's one of those things when you have a superstar there. Yeah, it'd be great to keep those guys as a duo, but I think it's worth the question too. What's going to be, uh, you know, what's what's going to be the, the you know the the asking number for uh for Alex Highsmith in free agency? Will his agent and will he will he consider like, hey, what if I could get a Bud Dupree type of payday? And I mean, like like you said. Steelers can't afford to do that. That's why they let Bud Dupree go in the first place. Otherwise, Bud Dupree would still be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, you know, but uh, I think it's a, it's a. I think that he's he might feel like he's in a good position. Um, but I also know that you know talking to him, he likes the situation he's in with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and maybe he recognizes, hey, a lot of my great numbers they come with TJ around there, and you know maybe if I stick around for a few more years, I can get an even bigger payday. Uh, you know, three or four years down the line if I keep these numbers up consistently. So that's something to consider. But also, uh, there was a report, Omar Khan bringing in Marcus Golden, a 32-year-old edge rusher who most recently was with the Arizona Cardinals, um, as just for a visit. Wasn't anything official, uh, at least as of 8.49 in the morning, on uh, Wednesday morning, as we record this. But uh, I look at that and I think, is there a possibility for the Steelers to sign that third edge rusher we've been talking about right now? It's either Nick Herbig or Quincy Roche, or if they wanted to flex to Marvin Leal out there, but that's not like a solidified, like someone that you've seen 
perform at the at a professional level consistently at edge rusher, is that something that's going to happen, or is this kind of going to go come and go away like Quan Alexander did? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, it, it could happen this week. It could happen in June or July. I mean, we just we don't know at this point. Uh, the interesting thing about Marcus Golden is he was former teammates and former roommates with outside linebackers coach Denzel Martin when they played together at Missouri. So there's already a relationship there between, uh, you know, Denzel and and, uh, and Marcus. And I think now it would just be a matter of money and the role, right? I mean, Marcus Golden has been a starter for most of his career. Even last year at 31, he started 14 games. They just have to be accepting of his role and accepting of the, the amount of money that the Steelers can afford. And I think that that paycheck would probably be two million or less, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more than two million. So if he can accept those terms, if he can accept that money, and if he can accept being a backup, I think he's a logical guy to put in there. He's had production in the past, dipped a little bit last year, but he's a guy who has produced in the past. And I think he would be, you know, probably a really good fit for what the Steelers need right now. He's Ray Fittipato of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's going to be at Steelers OTAs along with myself, Jerry Dulac, Brian Batko. It's going to be our team there getting getting to look at things for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Stay tuned with all of the updates at OTAs and how the Steelers are, are progressing in their practices at post-gazette.com where you can find all of our Steelers content. We're going to switch topics, though. We got Jason Mackey coming up talking buckos and maybe the potential of Henry Davis, the big catcher that we've been waiting to see coming up. Can that be in the future? We'll talk about that with Jason in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switched topics from the Steelers at OTAs to the Buckos, where they enter Wednesday afternoon with a chance to actually win the series against the Texas Rangers. They won the first game 6-4, to four, then lost yesterday, Tuesday, 6-1 to one, uh, Oviedo to take them out against Perez, 12-35 first pitch. But he's Jason Mackey, and he's going to be on the case at PNC Park. But Jason, you wrote an interesting piece that I think a lot of Pirates fans would resonate with, and that's... Uh, that's Henry Davis yeah. feeling really good about the idea that he could help this lineup right now. What did you get the sense from talking to him? Yeah, so I drove over to Altoona last night. We had um, an intern at the Pirates game, so I saw it as an opportunity to get out of Dodge for a night. I enjoy going over there. They're always great to us. But catching up with Henry, um, and some of this I've, I've been following and learning from afar, obviously, he's feeling really good at the plate. Um, that's That's sort of the number one, and that's the catalyst for – a lot of people, a lot of Pirates fans wanting him in Pittsburgh, and understandably so, and maybe he can help. Uh, they have him there right now to catch a lot, um, to work on his blocking, throwing. I don't know if I believe a lot of it, Chris. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like It's a little too convenient with the Super 2 deadline. They're trying to have him play some right field, but still explaining it as he needs to catch every day. Um, but I guess what I learned – is that he's handling this in a really mature way, in a way that I don't think he's 23. I don't think I would have been capable of handling anything with that sort of maturity. Like, clearly he wants to be there. 
and you can read from the piece. Um, I asked him about, you know, how much do you follow the major league club? Have you gone to Pittsburgh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, his answer was something to the tune of, you know, I follow it a lot, but I feel like I can help and I want to get there. Um, I think he'll get there. I think he'll get there probably fairly early. I think it's possible that he skips AAA entirely, but for right now, um, as they're insisting on these other things, we're waiting for the, you know, weird fictitious super two deadline to pass. Um, I wouldn't rule that out being a possibility. Just tough. Explain to our, to our listeners what the super two deadline is there. Cause I think that's one of those, that's one of those baseball terms that I think is exclusive to people, people like yourself. Okay. okay. So everybody, I'll start with the explanation on arbitration. Um, everybody goes through arbitration three times, mm-hmm. team control salary for three years, arbitration for three years. Now, of the additional class, if you're in the top 22% of your class, you get to go through an extra time. That's the simplest explanation I can give you. Now, Major League Baseball does things based on service time. So it's days in the show and it's how much service time you accumulate. So think about a season and basically you need to make sure you're not in the top 22% of people who accrue service time this season. Now, that calculation hopefully everybody's still with me, cannot be done until after the season. So we're basically guessing at what the service time, what that cutoff is. And it literally is called like the, the super two cutoff. And so they, they, a lot of times you see teams wait until like the first or second week of June, just to be sure. Like it's probably around this date. We don't know the exact date because again, we can't calculate it until everybody is in the clubhouse with the amount of service time that they've accrued this year. And then you calculate the top 22% but you basically have projections and you say, well, we're going to be extra cautious because we don't want to let a guy go through arbitration a fourth time. Now, sometimes circumstances change. Brian Reynolds came up in 2019 because they needed an outfielder. He played so well, they couldn't get rid of him. He earned that super two year through mm-hmm. arbitration. Obviously moot point now because he signed an extension, but that's the general, right. that's the gist. I got you. Thank you for clearing that up. Now, Jason, what is a realistic timeline? What do you, as the person who has, yeah, you have your, your fingers on the pulse of the Pirates, what do you have Henry Davis's timeline for actually be called up and start to become a regular part of the Pirates lineup? Yeah, I mean, I after the Super 2 deadline. Um, so it's after the deadline? Shortly, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, not before. Not, I, and honestly, I'd probably say not before July um, mm. if and, and they want to see him continue to produce. Um, it is a weird situation with Austin Hedges and they, they spent money on him and they believe in him as a pitch framer and a guy who handles a pitching staff. And we saw the value of that with Luis Ortiz on Monday night. And I really don't have an issue with Henry Davis being, or with Austin Hedges being on the team. I think Austin Hedges would frankly help Henry Davis. So you're probably going to get to a situation where you're comfortable carrying three catchers. And I don't see that happening before July. Um, and in the meantime, you need to see Henry continue to develop as a catcher. Um, I'm intrigued a little bit. I know he probably doesn't want to hear this about his outfield, which has been better than a lot of people might anticipate. I don't think it's passable at the major league level, but it hasn't been ugly. So as far as a timeline, Chris, I mean, I would say, you know, we're probably looking at late July at the early mm-hmm. or around then. Gotcha. So that's still some time away from that. Let's focus on the Pirates at hand of those who are up there. They lost six to one, but they have split so far with the Rangers. Uh, tell us what, you, what you've seen in the first couple games with a team that you said was going to be a major challenge for the Pirates. Yeah. And Luis Ortiz handled them the first night of the series. A lot was made of that and justifiably so about how good of an offense that is and what he was able to do. Um, being efficient with his pitches, I think 67 pitches through seven, just absolutely an incredible start for him. 
Uh, and then you go to last night and, you know, I was in Altoona, obviously, but still following that and watching highlights and reading our coverage. Um, some of the themes are not new, clearly. Um, they're making too many outs on the bases. G1 Bay has been at the center of that. Cannot make that many, those many outs on the bases. I tweeted something to that effect. It brought back memories of that about 10 days now. I mean, they just need him to be better in that spot. And, and all of this comes down to, Chris, what we knew about the Pirates anyway. They cannot afford to make mistakes like that. You had Rich Hill mm-hmm. block in a run. Jose Hernandez block in a run. G1 Bay making outs on the bases. Their offense really didn't get anything going against Nathan Avaldi, who was terrific. Like when all of those things combine, the Pirates, as we know, have a very difficult time winning games. They need to have every little thing go in their favor. And lately, stating the obvious here, but that has happened more times than anybody would be comfortable with. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that assessment. Iwadi pitching a complete game against the Pirates, but now the Pirates are in a position where they get a chance to to, to actually win the series, though, at home. Uh, what do you think they have to do in this upcoming game? Oviedo. Oviedo, Oviedo, and Oviedo. It's got to be on him. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, we're seeing that with the Pirates right now. When they get a tough team, when they it, for them to get traction, I think it's going to have to be pitching-based. I really do, whether that's Mitch Keller. I mean, Rich Hill has pitched well. It's not a, a mark against him. You saw what they did when Luis Ortiz had the outing he did on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oviedo's last start, if anybody's forgotten about it, was one of his best starts of the season. And it came after I talked to him in Detroit about, you know, some things he wanted to change and how the sinker plays. And, you know, once again, we, we saw it. And this is actually something Austin Hedges has talked about, pitch like Mitch. And Mitch Keller has been kind of an, a, a – an example for these guys and how to use your fastball, a two seam or a cutter, whatever you're throwing. And Oviedo did a really good job of handling his two seamer mixed with the four seamer. It opened up the slider. He had more control of that through his change up a little bit. So um, again, Chris, it's, it's no magic, you know, potion or anything like that. They need to have the starting pitcher go deep, be dominant. He's certainly capable. Did it last time. It's a tough test in Texas. Like, like we've been talking about, but I think Oviedo is up to it. Absolutely. And after that, they got the Seattle Mariners, who, as it stands today, are fifth 500, but they play the A's on Wednesday night. We'll see if they if they win that game. And then we'll get a little bit of a look at how that series is going to play. Jason will be on the road covering that as he covers most things. We'll have Andrew Destin talking about that on Friday here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Jason, thanks so much for all your insight. As, as always, have a great day at the ballpark. I'm Chris Carter. We'll have our full Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Steelers team at OTAs. It's a lot of still action still in the offseason. And what's going on with that GM search? Stay tuned at post gazettecom to get all of our Pittsburgh sports coverage uh, here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. From Chris Carter, Ray Apollo, Jason Mackey, have a great Wednesday. We'll see you again on the Friday episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. 